Jesus really is the only true source for every single person on the planet. Source of joy, source of life, source of love, hope, every single thing that the human heart needs. Every cry of the human heart is met completely in the person of Jesus Christ. And he has called us, he's, he's, he's one, one prophet, Bobby Connor said a number of years ago, I heard a number of years ago, he said, if, uh, if, um, we, if we were only supposed to become Christians and then wait to go to heaven, there would only, there, there will only be need for two ministries in the church. The first one is the evangelist to get you saved, and then the second one is the assassin to shoot you so you get to go to heaven. But that's not, we're here, that's not what we're here for. We're here to bring, while we're on this earth, our mandate. Our, our uh, mandate is to bring heaven to earth. Yes, heaven is our ultimate destination. One day we'll get there when there's a beautiful marriage between that spiritual place called heaven and this phys physical place called earth. There'll be a marriage eventually where heaven and earth will meet together in this brand new glorious place. But in the meantime, our job is to bring heaven to earth. And the way to bring heaven to earth is to declare and to live out the glorious good news of who Jesus is in our own spheres and wherever God leads us. Amen? Amen. So, all right. The glory of adoption, that's what I'm talking about this morning. The glory of adoption. We've been speaking about um, things like delighting ourselves in Jesus, the different ways that God leads us. We've talked about enduring hardship. How many people love that message? Enduring hardship. No hands go up. Perfect. Um, and so I feel like I want to circle back. I want to circle back to one of the core messages of Catch the Fire, one of the core messages that transformed and is continuing to transform my life. And that message is the glory, the, the incredible good news that when Jesus died on the cross, when he rose again from the dead, when he ascended into heaven, when he released the Holy Spirit, that those series of events, what that did was it created an, an opportunity for every single human person to by their faith in Jesus, have all of their sins forgiven. Every blockage that exists between us and God, our creator God, every single blockage is completely removed. Our sins are forgiven and we get to be part of God's family. You see how that felt like a dull thud? Because we've lost sight of how incredible being saved is how incredible being part of God's family is. You know, this world is essentially an orphan world. It's an orphan world. A, a number of years ago, Elsie and I used to uh, go to Nicaragua quite a bit, but I think we went to Nicaragua six times in five years. And part of what we were doing is helping this group um, uh, establish and run orphanages in Nicaragua, all different parts of Nicaragua. And um, we had a joy of going there. And one of the things that we would do is we would gather together like uh, hockey bags filled with toys and trinkets and all kinds of little gifts to give away to the orphans when we got to the um, orphanages. 
And it was a great fun, fun thing to do. But as, I, as we did this a few times, I, and I'm, I pr I'm prone to observing things, one of the things I observed was that you can actually tell which of the kids there were sort of new, like new orphans, new to this child, uh, child um, home, uh, children's home. Um, they're, they're, so there were those who were new, and then there was those who were, a bit, uh, who were there a bit longer. And one of the key ways, key ways to distinguish the two was this. When we brought the gifts, and we opened up the bags, and you know, all the kids would come running, and we would begin to give gifts away. And the kids who were there for a while, who had been with sort of parents, parents in a children's home, and they were, get, they were beginning to receive love. They were, they were beginning to live in unconditional love. They were beginning to receive love. They would come, they would grab the gifts, and they would take it, and then they would tell their friend, look what I got. What did you get? And there was an interesting little exchange of these little kids just celebrating the, the gifts that they just received. The ones who hadn't been there for very long, who really hadn't begun to live as, as sons and daughters in this orphanage home, in this children's home, they would either be far, far off at a distance and they wouldn't come close, or if they came close, they would grab what you gave to them and they would run off hiding it because they weren't ready to share what they had received. And you know, the, um, those, are, those are actual orphans, like physically orphaned people. But the fact of the matter is that the human race is exactly like that in so many ways. Spiritually speaking, we are orphaned because we have, we have, we have grown up in this, in this world where we don't have a clear sense of the fact that God who created us, wants us to know him as our father, our good, loving father. There are too many barriers between us and this revelation, and so we live our lives like if we're orphans. We live our lives like if we're orphans. You know, my father, my earthly father, was a very good man in a, in a whole bunch of different ways, but he was also orphaned as well. He was physically orphaned. He was orphaned twice, actually. Uh, the quick story is this. When he was two weeks old, his mother died. And so his father uh, took the three kids, gave them to another family. His so was my father and two older siblings. Gave them to another family. And then this man, my grandfather, went back to India, never to be heard from again. My dad was two weeks old. Then, so this one, the, good, the good thing is that this wonderful family that had adopted the three kids, uh, they were very, very good to my father and his, his siblings. But when my dad was three, uh, sorry, when my dad was nine years old, this man, the, the, his father, his biological father, he died. All I have to say was, is this. My dad grew up with a strong sense of not having a father. He grew up without knowing what it means to live in a home where your father is there, where there's protection, where there's provision, where, you're, where you're, there's a sense of identity being imparted to you, a sense of you can do this, you can accomplish this, you can go places. He had none of that. But he was an amazing man because he worked really, really hard. And he became a very well-respected man in society and all the rest of it. 
But one of the things he imparted to us as kids growing up was this. If you, this was his mantra, if you want to get anything in life, there's no, there's, there's no, there's no gifts for you in life. You have to work hard. You have to push you have to push to get it. You even have to push people aside if what you want, if people are in the way of what you want. You have to push your way through. And that's what he imparted to us as, as kids. And so, so we grew up with this strong sense of what we refer to as performance orientation, where, where we get our sense of worth, we get our sense of value from what we accomplish. So it's all about who we, you know, it's all about what, what we can do or what we've done as opposed to who we are. And that is a fundamental difference between being an orphan, spiritual orphan, and being a son or a daughter of God. Because if we're sons and daughters of God, we get to find our value in how God sees us and what he's already done for us, what he's, what he's given to us. It's amazing, amazing good news that Jesus died on the cross. He made, his, he made this access to the Father so completely unfettered. We have free access to the Creator God who also happens to be our loving Heavenly Father. And one of the joys that we have living on this earth until we die and go to heaven is learning how to live as a son or a daughter of the living God. We have to learn how to put aside orphan ways, orphan tendencies, and embrace sonship. Embrace sonship and living like a son or daughter. Amen? So, this is the, this is the message that uh, God has made, God has used, and continues to use to, uh, you know, uh, uh, heal my heart, bring, bring hope bring joy, bring freedom to my heart. Because now I don't have to be striving to win God's approval. That was my previous sort of, uh, my previous motivation for service was I need to impress God somehow. And now I would never say that obviously because I went to school and I went to seminary and I know all the right things to say. But in my heart of hearts, I lived my life from a place where it was I have to impress God. I have to win God's approval. In the same as though I had to win my earthly father's approval, I have to win my heavenly father's approval. So, anyway. Hmm. There's a whole bunch of things I wanted to do. Mm. Is there anybody who has pain in your stomach? Anybody in this room who has pain in your stomach? It's sort of lower part of your, your abdomen here. And you've had it for sort of three or four weeks. It's not just a recent development. You've had it for a while. Is there anybody like that? I think it's probably something related more to digestion than anything else. So if you can stand up, ma'am, if you don't mind. We'll just say a very quick prayer. The Lord, I ask God to give me a word of knowledge to release for people who, for healing. Um, so we, we speak healing right now to this lady in the name of Jesus. We just command that pain to lift off. We ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit to come upon her and to set her free in the mighty name of Jesus. Every single afflicting spirit, we break your power now in Jesus' name. And we speak peace, peace, 
peace, the shalom of Jesus into your digestive system. Let it be done in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, back to my message. I'm going to get there eventually. On the way over here, we were listening to one of our new favorite uh, Christian celebrities, uh, Lauren Daigle. And she has a song that's called um, um, Love Like This. And here's one, of the, here's one of the lyrics. What have I done to deserve love like this? I would try to sing it for you, but it would hurt your ears. But what have I done to deserve love like this? I cannot earn what you so freely give. And the reason why that's important is because there's a lot of people who know the gospel who in some ways still want to earn God's approval. I know I did in my early years. Even as a missionary, even as somebody preaching the gospel in different parts of the world, my, my primary motivation was I have to impress God. Anyway, so orphans. Let's just keep going here. Orphans. Here's, here's, I'm going to be speaking primarily from Romans chapter 8. Uh, which is an incredible passage. I wish we could spend you know, weeks on end just going through this one passage, or one, this one chapter, Romans 8. It's incredible. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Your adoption to sonship. And the interesting thing, interesting thing about this is this is an NIV um, translation. And the new NIV, they're trying to, you know, make everything gender, gender neutral. Okay, so instead of saying sons, they would say sons and daughters. Or children, for example. Uh, yeah, the Spirit of God are children of God. The Greek word there is huios, which, which, which uh, is normally translated sons, but they've made it children. But interestingly enough, they kept the phrase or the word sonship. And the reason why they kept the word sonship is because they're theologically minded. Because when they're talking about sonship, it's actually a very profound word. The word sonship, huios, has to do with, uh, it's, it's linked to who Jesus is. He was the firstborn son. The firstborn son, the favored son. In the, in, in the Jewish culture, in the New Old Testament, the firstborn son had a double portion, had extra... Uh, Benefits as, as opposed to everybody else. And so what, what, what they're saying there is that you're adopted not just to being a regular son, number seven son or number six son. You're adopted to be son number one with special favors on our lives. Is that making sense? We are special favored sons and daughters. We've, we've been adopted to live like this. Amen. We're adopted to sonship. We, we have special, we have a special place in God's family. Living as orphans, I already touched on this. An orphan has no sense of a home, right? If you're an orphan, you have no sense of, of a home. You have no sense of love, safety, belonging. One of the basic human cries of the human heart is belonging. I want to find a place. I want to find some place where I belong, where I feel safe. An orphan doesn't have that. An orphan has no inheritance. There's a lack of hope. There's a lack of any future prospects. 
There's no, there's no, no presence, no gifts coming my way, no grace coming my way. I have to work for everything I get. I have to push people out of the way if I have to. An orphan has no name, no sense of significance. But here's the good news, friends. Here's the glorious news. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The, the Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. We just sang that song, I'm a child of God. We sang it over and over and over again. I'm a child of God. I'm not a slave to fear. And I wish, I wish if singing songs in church on Sunday mornings actually made it true in our lives. It would be great, wouldn't it? If singing songs on Sunday morning, loud and louder and louder, uh, I wish if, if, if the volume of our singing actually meant it really changes on the inside. But we can sing songs like we're children of God and we have, uh, you know, we're, I'm no, uh, I, I have no, long, no longer any fear, but then we walk out the door and we're filled with fear of anxiety. We're concerned about our jobs. We're concerned about our relationships. And we have all these fears in our lives. I'm speaking from experience. I'm not blaming anybody or, or pointing the finger. I'm telling you what's in our hearts. This is the human condition. We don't live as we ought to. Um, I believe we don't live as we ought to because we're not fully embracing this incredible revelation that God has given us. A, a, a special position, a glorious position, an honored position as sons and daughters of the living God. And we, uh, and we have to learn how to embrace that, how to live in that. So for those who are led by the Spirit of God or the children of God, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. So I'm asking the Holy Spirit, what slaves um, so that you, you live in fear again? All right, uh, does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Lord, Holy Spirit, what is the greatest fear that a slave would have? What is the greatest fear that, it, that an employee of a big corporation would have? What is the greatest fear? And the greatest fear is no sense of inheritance. Because you're not part of the family, because you're not connected to the family, you're just a slave or you're just an employee, you're just a worker. It means that we don't have a sense of inheritance. So we can lo lose our job at any moment or we can get killed by our master if we were slaves back in the day or whatever the case is, but we have no sense of inheritance. So in, in other words, we're always having to earn and to work for what we have. And of course, the blessed news of the gospel is that Jesus has paid the full price and everything that we need in this life and in the life to come is because of what he's done for us. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. What a, what a tremendous gift God has given to us. We can actually call him Abba, Daddy, Appa, 
papa, whatever, whatever term of endearment that, uh, that in our culture we have, in our language that we have, we can actually use that to call God, the creator God. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that an amazing thing? Are you comfortable calling God Abba? Are you comfortable calling God Appa? Are you comfortable calling God Pai or Papai or Papaya or... If you're not comfortable, because let me tell you the truth, when I first, when I first came into this, into this revelation 20-something years ago, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to call God from my heart in my prayer time, in my quiet prayer time with God on my own. It wasn't easy to say, Daddy, because I had this impression of God as this, you know, this distant God who I, I have to be reverential to words, I have to speak uh, properly to words, I have to be in an honoring way to speak, speak towards him. And so I know, I, I know I'm not the only one. I know there's other people who come from cultures, especially church cultures, where, where you can't call God Daddy. But if you're not calling, if you're not calling God Abba, if you're not calling him Daddy, I believe you're missing out on an incredible revelation of what he's made available for us. The honor, the honored place that he has made for us to have. Not something we can earn, it's something we receive, we receive, we receive as a gift. He gives us this honored place so we can call him Abba, we can call him Daddy. By the way, it's not just simply calling, it's not using God, you know, um, a word from our lips. Right? It's actually, it has to do with our hearts. It has to do with our hearts. If we understand who we are in God, if we understand in our hearts who we are in God, that we are favored children, then there's a much more freedom, much more ability to call, to, to call God Abba or Daddy or Father. It's not about simply calling God uh, Father. It's actually knowing how to live Live as a beloved son, as a beloved firstborn son. What image of God draws him towards, draws you towards him in, in, in intimacy? What sort of image? If, if, if you think, if your primary image of God is that he is Lord and Master, and yes, he is Lord and Master of the universe, he absolutely is. If that's your primary image, though, your heart will want to think of, oh, I have to serve, I have to serve him. I have to, I have to bend my knee because he's the Lord and Master. I have, to, I have to serve him, I have to be his servant. And I have to make sure I'm doing all the right things so that he's pleased with me as, as his servant. Right, does it make sense? If that's your primary image, if God is your Lord and Master, then your, your response is, I am his servant, I'm his humble servant, I have to work hard so he can be pleased with me. If your primary image is that God is a, a judge, he's the judge of all, and yes, he is the judge of all. Yes, he is the judge of all. If that's your primary image, though, your heart will tell you, I have to be on the right side, I have to be in his good books. I can't make any mistakes, I can't blow it, because he's going to judge me and I'll be in big trouble. Right? If, we, if, if that's our image of God, he's the guy with flowing dark robes, and he's got a, a, a gavel in his hand trying to bring down judgment on our lives. 
Those are all true, uh, true images of who God is. He is those things. But I'm talking about being drawn to intimacy, drawn to closeness with him. The only way that we come to God with a heart that, that's, that's drawn towards him in closeness is when we recognize him as really our loving Heavenly Father who has wide open arms to us and he's beckoning us to come to be in closer relationship with him. Is it arrogant or presumptuous to call God Daddy? I've heard that too. I've heard, that. I've heard people say that. Don't you think it's arrogant to call God Father? Daddy, I mean, call God Daddy. Aren't you trivializing who he is? Isn't it arrogant or presumptuous? Well, it's only arrogant or presumptuous if we already have arrogance and presumption in our hearts. In fact, I think it would be a, a misunderstanding of the, of the gospel of grace, this position that we've been gifted, we've been given this place, this incredible place of firstborn son where we can refer to God as our loving father. It's not a place that we can earn. Something's been given to us. It's not an honor that we can earn or that we deserve. It's a gift he's given to us. Wow. Living as sons. If we're living as sons, we've talked about living as 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 a, as um. Orphans, let's talk about it, but living as sons now. There's no fear of lack like slaves, right? We just said that the biggest, the biggest fear that a slave would have is that once his time is done, he would have nothing else. So he has a fear of lack in his heart all the time. He has a fear of lack. Fear of no inheritance. So, we, so as sons, because we're in the father's business, we have access to an inheritance. And of course, an inheritance comes when somebody dies, right? When somebody dies, then you get an inheritance. And the good news is that Jesus has already died. He's already died, and every single thing that uh, he has made available to us is there for us to have if we trust him, if we believe him, if we receive it by faith. Is this making sense to anybody? Co-heirs with Christ. What an incredible thing that God has made us co-heirs with Christ for this lifetime and in the lifetime to come. God has given us this place. We get to co-rule with Jesus, people, we get to co-rule with him. I mean, I don't fully understand what that all means, to be honest with you. But, but the fact is, we have been brought from this place to the highest possible place. Where Jesus invites us to sit with him in his place of rulership over this world. We get to start doing it now in prayer 
we get to start doing it now in prayer. I tell you, one, if, we, if we can grab hold of this, of this truth deep in our hearts, and I know it's not a one-moment thing, it's a lifetime that, that, that we're going to grow deeper in this revelation of, of the fact that we're sons of God, that we have such access to God who has deep pockets, that we can run into his house, we can open up the, the front door, we can run in, we can run into the fridge, we can open up the fridge, and everything in that fridge is ours because we're part of his family, we're in his house. Let me give you a quick illustration of, of I know it's an older story, and some of you have heard it already, but it, was, it, it came about as I was beginning to have this revelation really change the way I think about myself, think about everything, think about life, think about the way I do ministry. And I was in Brazil on a mission trip uh, a, a number of years ago now. And um, the place we were at, there was a, a huge uh, thunderstorm, heavy-duty rain falling. And so much rain fell that... Um, uh, there's a blackout in the whole area. There's a there's a uh, blackout, no no electricity. And the and I was supposed to be speaking at a, a youth, a young 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 people's youth and young adults group. So uh, they come and pick me up. They drive me to the location. This was during the time of carnival. Carnival, and what many of the churches do is that they actually pull their kids together and they retreat, and they have a nice, you know, week-long retreat. And so that's why we were we were part of this. So anyway, we get to this place, and uh, it's still pouring rain, uh, and there's no electricity, no electricity at the at the uh, at the location. And so the people who were on the stage, they had it was a big uh, warehouse type thing. And there were about maybe 500 kids in, 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 the, in, the, in the space there. And there was a, a platform, uh, a stage. And the guys, the local pastors and leaders, they were shouting at the kids because there was no, there was no microphones, right? They're shouting away. So I come into this place, and I, and I said to myself, or I said to God, God, I can't do this. I'm a quiet kind of guy. I'm, I can't shout uh, very loudly, these people. Certainly not for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, right? Uh, God, I am your son. You got to do something about this. And as I said that, I heard this voice right here. It says, don't worry. As soon as you're about to speak, the power will come back on. <laughs> right? So, the, so, so they go through their, their thing a bit more and, you know, whatever they're sh shouting away. And then the, the guy says, okay, now it's time for our esteemed pastor from Canada to come and speak. No power yet. As I'm walking up the steps towards the stage with my head down thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to shout. The power actually comes back on. As the, as, not quite as he gives me the microphone, but as I'm about to go grab the microphone, the power comes back on this is helping me that helped me to understand the kind of influence I have as a son in my father's heart because he knows I won't be effective at shouting 
uh, message at anybody. And so he made it possible, and he, warned, he forewarned me, or promised me, that this is going to happen again. Let me tell you the, the Modi story since we're talking about India. Okay, Modi came to Canada uh, a few years ago. The Prime Minister of India came, oh, it's more than a few years ago, because Stephen Harper was still the guy in power. But anyway, he comes, and he was going to be, he was going to be arriving in Toronto uh, at the airport, and our friend says, would you like to go meet Modi? I had no, 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 no real interest in meeting Modi, but um, the only reason why I would want to go, him, go meet him is to uh, grab him by the hand and, and bless him to uh, uh, improve the religious uh, freedoms in his country. So I said, okay, yes, I do want to go meet Modi because I have a, I'm on a mission now. I want to, I want to tell him this. So to, to shorten the story, Modi arrives... And initially I thought that I was going to, the way it was presented to us, we were going to be meeting Modi in a little reception room. Okay, a nice little room, a reception with, with guards and protection and everything else. And Modi and everybody else will be there. So I thought, great, it'll be easy to talk to him, hopefully. Well, that's not how it turned out. It was actually on the tarmac of the airport. So he was going to fly in on Air India, and Stephen Harper comes out. They rolled the red carpet. You know how that's done on TV? They rolled the red carpet, and uh, Stephen Harper comes off. Uh, um, security people everywhere. Uh, Modi comes out, and there's a whole bunch, maybe 400, 500 Indo-Canadians shouting, Modi, Modi, Modi. All right, bless their hearts. So, God, how is this going to happen? How am I going to have a chance to meet this man in the midst of all of these uh, people there? So the Lord said, go stand over there. Go stand over there. So I, I, I follow, I go, and I stand there. And Modi comes, and he starts off at this end. And there, there's a railing. Okay, there's a railing there. There's people on this side, and he's on, on the tarmac on that side with, with guards around. And so he comes down, and he's shaking people's hands. He's shaking people's hands, shaking people's hands. I said, God, you know I'm here on a mission. I am your son. I'm here on a mission. I want to shake this man's hand, and I want to speak something into his life. And um, so the, he comes down. Uh, he goes past me, and he comes back, stands right in front of me, like Autumn's right there. He stands right in front of me, and so, and of course he's shaking hands, right? But I didn't shake his hand, I grabbed his hand. <laughs> I grabbed his hand like this, and I looked him right in the eye and said, Mr. Modi, Prime Minister Modi, God bless you for wanting religious freedom in your country. I, he, I don't know what he said, whatever he said, he just went off. But I got, my, I got my mission accomplished, you see, because I am God's son. And I can pray like that. I can believe. I can believe that God wants to use me to do even simple things like that. Anyway, so where was I with all that story? Man. Sonship. Sonship. If we live, if we live with a revelation of who we are in God, there's so much more that God will entrust to us so much more that he will, he, will, he will allow us to see happen in our lives. That's my main point, that if we begin to live as sons and daughters, as adopted sons and daughters, 
I heard this little cute little story a little while ago of this, of this um, kindergarten class. Um, and they were t- the teacher was talking about adoption. And, and the lady, um, and the teacher said, do you understand what, what adoption is? And one little girl piped up and says, yes, I know what adoption is. Uh, because I was adopted. But I have sisters who are natural children. And natural children are born in their mummy's tummy, but adopted children are born in their mummy's heart. And that's the glory of sonship for us because we've been adopted because we have a father who loves us. He looked all through the universe in space and time, 7.5 billion people, and he said, I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. And he's continuing that cry all through India, all through China, all through the globe, South America, North America. He's continuing with his eyes roving, and he's calling people to come to become part of his family. And we get to say yes or no. But if we do say yes, we get to be placed in this high position, this honored position of being co-heirs with Christ, equal to Jesus. That's what co-heir means, right? That's right? E- is that not mind-boggling? I mean, look at, look at Roshan. How could Roshan be a co-heir with Christ? We know him. He's a crazy guy. This is, this is the God's honest truth, people. This is who we are. We, we have to just begin to learn how to live like this, don't we? Then there'll be no more fear, no more sense of rejection, no more sense of loss, no sense of, of, of no home, no belonging, no, no, no inheritance. All of that is there for us. We get to live in that place. Uh, there's more, but it's already 12.30, so I'm going to stop. So shall we all stand? Let's just, uh, how about if we just gather together in groups of two or three or four and just begin to pray and ask the spirit, of, the spirit of adoption, which has been given to us, that we would, we would, our minds, our hearts, our memories, everything about us, our bodies would be awakened to the fact that we've been adopted 